MHTV. We're really pleased to have you with us tonight. We're doing things a little bit differently uh, in terms of our streaming, but hopefully you won't notice any difference. And we're very um, pleased to welcome our fantastic guests, Robert and Tim, today. But before we get started, let's just go to Dave so that he can explain how you can join in on social media and help us to talk about nursing and research. Dave? Hi, Nikki. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, so as always with social media, uh, if you want to get involved, you've got a couple of options. One of them is to post a message on the Facebook live chat, and the other one is to post a message on Twitter. All you need to do to make sure we can see that message is to include the hashtag MHTV. And obviously, we'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, comments, or anything else about tonight's episode. Without further ado, back to you, Nikki. Absolutely. Let's go to our guest. So, Tim, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Certainly will. Hi, hi everyone. Um, my name is Tim McDougall. I'm currently the Director of Nursing and Quality at uh, Lancashire and South Cumbria NHS Foundation Trust. Uh, I worked with Rob um, over in GMMH um, last year and uh, we set up the Nurse Mental Health Nursing Research Unit together. We'll be talking about that on the call. Fantastic. Robert? Hi, I'm uh, Rob Griffiths. So I'm a mental health nurse. I currently work as a clinical research fellow in mental health nursing at Greater Manchester Mental Health NHS Foundation Trust, where I lead the mental health nursing research unit that Tim was just referring to there. And I'm also a uh, teaching fellow at the University of Manchester. Fantastic. So when we're talking about nurse research, what exactly are we talking about? What kind of activities are we talking about there? Do you want me to go there, Tim? Yeah, you go first, I'll follow. I guess just that, you know, a. At one level, it's about nurses um, contributing to re research in a whole variety of different ways, you know, so whether that's um, leading research projects or delivering uh, research, working as research nurses, or, you know, just, just being sort of engaged and aware of research activities in whatever context you're working in. So I think there's a whole range of levels that nurses can be involved and engaged in research. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah. We talk about research and development, don't we? And I think Rob and I have talked before how important it is to focus both on research activities, so um, projects, grants, studies, but also the development of nurses in research, so their capability, their confidence building. Mm. So I'm very keen that when we talk about uh, nursing and research that we're also talking about, you know, writing in journals, about practice, speaking at conferences, um, just taking poster presentations of all the great work that's going on is often uh, understated and under-celebrated in nursing. So Absolutely. we're really keen to promote that. Yeah, and I suppose, I mean, you guys are gonna have some very strong opinions on this, I'm sure, but why should nurses be involved in research? Well, um, if I could go first on this one, Rob. I, yeah, you know, Nurses are the lar largest professional group in the NHS, aren't they? And they have the mm. most contact with service users. So mm. there's something there about credibility, um, conviction to speak and, and talk and write um, and there's something too about again we talk a lot about evidence-based practice but for me practice-based evidence what is it that nurses do every day in different roles in different ways and in different places that they can evaluate um, report share innovate lead to quality improvements so so many reasons why nurses should be involved in, in research Rob, what would you think? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I and mean, I, I suppose, I guess one of the things that occurs to me when you start thinking about, well, why should nurses be involved in research is, 
just think about with, with any research, mm. um, you're bringing a whole lot of values and assumptions and perspectives from yourself in terms of mm. how you, well, what questions you think are worthwhile to research and answer. And mm. I, I guess, as Tim says, you know, nurses are, uh, the, the, you know, the, the largest staff group in the NHS. And if, if that staff group isn't conducting research, there's a whole load of interesting mm. and valuable research questions that just aren't being investigated. So mm. I think nurses bring a, a sort of unique perspective to research that, that needs to be reflected in um, research evidence and, and research outputs. Mm. And I suppose the other reason that occurs to me is that you know, when we're thinking about the, the relevance of research and conducting research that actually makes an impact on people's lives, mm. um, actually um, nurses bring lots of experience from their clinical practice that can actually make sure that we're, we're asking important questions that are actually going to make a, a, a real difference to the care that people receive. Um, mm. So those, those are just another couple of thoughts to, to add to what Tim said there. I think you're right to focus on the kind of quality of care that you can give as well. You know, you can't be a profession if you don't have an evidence based to your practice mm. and you're not always striving to do better and, and be better at it and then keep improving it. And I wonder if sometimes there is a there are barriers where nurses feel that they can't necessarily understand research as well as they they could. I know in a lot of the new nursing programmes, there's a little bit less emphasis on research and a little bit more emphasis on kind of practical doing. And I wondered if uh, you could perhaps tell us a little bit about some of the barriers to nurses being involved or participating or even understanding sometimes research. Yeah. Um, I'd be worth, Rob, just describing the uh, Nursing Academy that was the mm. springboard to the Mental Health Nursing Research Unit. So um, Rob and I brought together um, like-minded individuals in the organization mm. who had good ideas but didn't always have the tools to take them to the next level some lacked confidence um, some had been put off by the bureaucracy that su surrounds accessing grants so rob um, in particular set up a number of sessions to enable and empower nurses to take that next step and um, you know take those good ideas forward but I think the other barriers that we were all, always mindful of were those which the organisation creates as well. And, for, you know, for reasons we all understand, but there's nothing worse than having a, a nurse who's got a fabulous idea and wants to turn it into research but can't be freed up from the work they're doing. Um, yeah. Obviously, that is for the organisation to, to consider and, and take on board if it wants to develop nursing, as GMMH did at that point, to launch the, the nursing academy and then the mental health nursing research unit mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree with that and you know i think there's there's certainly organizational barriers in terms of um you know nurses who would like to contribute to research there's often not a very clear career pathway to support them to to develop that side of their role um yeah. but i think there is also as tim was saying sort of a sometimes a sense within the profession that research is something that's done by other people or research is impenetrable or hard to understand uh, and, it, and it can be intimidating um, and I guess the nursing academy that Tim was talking about there was just a, a real attempt to try and demystify some of the aspects of um, the research process that can really uh, prevent people from sort of pursuing a good idea they have in terms of trying to answer some, some really important questions. We had a, a couple of false starts, didn't we, Rob? Um, one was we managed to secure some money to fund a staff nurse to do some practice-based research. And um, 
there was the interest in it, but because of the nursing challenge of um, vacancies and, and the busyness of the wards, it, we, we just couldn't couldn't release anyone. Um, mm. and it wasn't for lack of trying on the part of the managers and the trust. It just it, it just wasn't working. Mm. Um, so that was a frustration, wasn't it, early on? But that yeah. led us to think more creatively about how we do protect time for for, for people, which is why Rob was able to build up the. the team that he had around him using some grant funding. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it does speak to our priorities as a profession when you don't, I mean, I don't think I've heard many doctors not being able to be, the, the, somehow not being able to be freed up to participate in research if they want to. But also I think there's an expectation that sometimes is missing from nursing, particularly the more um, client-focused, service user-focused bands. There's, there's very much that your first and only and most important job is to see to um, people's welfare, which is absolutely right. But focusing on people's welfare is a bigger job than just attending yeah. to the tasks in front of you, isn't it? It's about having kind of a strategic understanding as well of, of our profession, really. And it's, it's interesting to see how staff shortages play out in lots of different ways. But I think it's really interesting that your, your, your trusts and your organisations have such a, an interest because it's obviously something, you know, setting up your research unit has been something that has taken a lot of time and effort. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that journey, maybe. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. I would love to. Well, I wonder, before we do, I wonder if we could just pick up on, on the point you were making there, Nick, which I think is a really interesting one about how there's often this sort of perception that clinical practice and research are these two separate things mm. and there's the demarcation between the two of them. But for me, you can't really have one without the other. So you know, if you're, you're practicing in an evidence-based way, it sort of requires you to have an understanding of the evidence and, and theory behind why you're doing, you know, offering one particular sort of intervention or approach rather than another one. So um, I, did, I, I did definitely recognise what you're saying there in terms of sometimes there is a sense that research is, you know, stuff done by other people and it's not really for, not really for us. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I don't really see how you can practice safely as a nurse without having some degree of um, mm engagement with, with research and, and the evidence base. That's a great point. I think some people are so traumatized by their nurse education experiences, particularly in the final year with dissertations, that they're like, when I when I qualify, I'll never re read research again. You're like, yeah. I think we're maybe yeah. doing something wrong educationally here. <laughs> we seem to think it's actually a, a punishment device as opposed to something that we should delight in really. I mean, when your colleagues publish something and, and you've got some understanding of how hard it is to go on that journey, even clearing ethics, even getting funding, all that stuff is quite a, quite mm -hmm. a task. And for someone to actually get to a point where they're actually able to share some creative knowledge and lift all our practice up, it's so exciting. We ought to really make more of an effort to, to, to celebrate it and participate with it and be really proud of the work that other nurses do. Yeah. And I think it's weird because we do it in other spheres, just maybe not so much research, which is odd. No, I agree. And, and listening to what Rob was saying in your response there, Nick, it, it, you know, there's the active research element and then there's the, again, the practice-based piece around what what is emerging as evidence? How can I use that in my care planning? Mm. And, you know, that's something we were keen to invest into that in providing interventions for people that they were interventions that were grounded in some research evidence. So, yeah. The best example I can think of, of of that, and you know, we we weren't responsible where we Rob for taking this forward, but was around trauma informed care interventions mm -hmm. and care planning becoming much more based now on what's happened to people and 
importance of how to intervene. And, mm. you know, that's kind of research trickles down into active care delivery. And when Rob mentioned earlier around research that's clinically valid, I think they're the words he used, but mm. that matters in practice. That was one of the key principles we had mm. in mind when we set off on our journey. But we'll mm. come to in a moment that mm. research activities that we would want to support and be involved with would would make a matter, uh, you know, would matter at the level of patient care rather than be back here somewhere and on a, on a shelf. Um, mm. Easier said than done sometimes, but um, I think the, the, the sorts of things that have got off the ground so far, which Rob will probably come to describe in a minute, will you know give us a sense of that. Mm. Yeah, look, um, there's some stuff there that I want to pick back up on again about how we present research. I can see we're going to be. So but first of all, let's let's talk a little bit about how the centre got started, the reunion got started, and and what kind of work you're doing so that people can understand a little bit more about that. Well, um, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll make a start, Rob will come in. Um, so this was a bit of a, a set of circumstances, really. Rob was returning from um, his uh, scholarship and uh, I wanted to, at the same time, create clinical academic opportunities within the organisation for nursing. Um, so we had a conversation, I think that was facilitated by um, our then... Um, still is actually head of the psychosis research unit which we um, used as a bit of a, a role model for how we would um, mobilize the, the nursing research unit so mm -hmm. at that um, stage uh, we um, took guidance from Tony Morrison about how we might um, get that moving and Rob and I had a discussion uh, I then went off to uh, the exec team and said can I have some money um, a little bit later, and it was fairly soon after, I was told I could have some money. And then um, we were on that road to getting something off the ground. But what we were also really keen to do, and this was the other circumstance and, and partnership in all this, was form good, um, strong academic links as well. So Rob already had the, the prospects of a teaching um, fellowship um, available. Uh, possibly at that stage linked yeah, to the prospects yeah. of, a, of a nursing research unit mm -hmm. but we wanted an academic partner um, and um, at that stage both Rob and I were working um, with various uh, nurse academics locally and regionally so um, you know influential in certainly my thinking at that time was John Baker, Steve Premachuk, both of whom we did work and have done work with links to the nurse research mm -hmm. unit. So once we've got that partnership going, we really needed um, the leader. And that's where mm -hmm. Rob came in, really. Um, so do you want to take it like, from here, Rob? I feel like a drum roll is required, but Rob, well, we have to just go ahead without it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of uh, trying to live up to expectations now after that, uh, that intro. But yeah, so, I, so as Tim said, I was, I was coming back to the trust uh, after completing uh, a clinical doctoral research fellowship, which is one of the, the funding streams through the, the NIHR, the National Institute of Health Research. So I'd, I'd gone from a purely clinical post working in early intervention services to doing my PhD, um, which I sort of finished in 2019, was coming back to the trust. And I was talking to Tim about this earlier on, that I think that because there aren't many clear pathways for nurses, who are clinical academics 
I think the question about what, what are we going to do with this nurse that's got a PhD that's going back to the trust. Um, and luckily, Tim had some really great ideas about um, what they could do with the nurse with a PhD. So we, we had, as we say, we had these discussions with Tony Morrison about how they set up the psychosis research unit, which has been established in, in our trust for over 10 years now and has been really productive and contributed to nice guidelines and you know, yeah. lots of people know Tony's work. Yeah, uh, and the definitely. teams were there. So we used that as a bit of a model, managed to get some funding for my post, and then we applied for what's called RCF funding, so research capability funding, uh, which comes from the NHR, which meant we were able to not only fund my post, but actually offer some of the support, some of the other things we wanted to do with the research unit. So part of that was about paying for um, people with lived experience to contribute to the research unit through public and patient uh, involvement uh, and we also applied for some funding to release some nurses in clinical practice in the trust for a period of time you know a day a week to come and have us come up with the research unit and focus on some specific goals that they wanted to work towards that were relevant to where they were in the in their career uh into mm. nursing career mm. um so that was awarded and 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 just on that point about releasing nurses yeah. um, for Commons, that's one of the things that's been most successful, really, in starting to build nursing research capacity, ah. because that's always the barrier um, mm. to nurses engaging in research, or one of the major barriers is that people just don't have dedicated time yeah. to engage in research mm, yeah. activities. Yeah, so we've well, will and the interest, comment. but it's hard, yeah. Yeah, yeah so we had, a, I mean, we had a couple of comments now, so Alison Dorber was one, who's a, a, she's a community psychiatric nurse in the Trust, and she spent a day with us a week for mm -hmm. several months, was able to put in a pre-doctoral clinical academic fellowship, publish a paper, you know, which are all things, yeah. which is developing her CV, so, uh, CV and actually yeah, setting definitely. up her as a clinical academic in the future as well. Mm, brilliant. One of the things, just going back a step, that's come back to me, Rob, is those early discussions we had at the Research and Innovation Committee. And, and again, mm. in terms of how these things can be supported, we at GMMH were really lucky that there was a medical director who was keen to promote multidisciplinary research mm. and uh, the directors of, of R&I um, uh, were equally supportive. And that was where that bit around the RCF funding came in. Because that had been a bit of a breakaway from tradition for the organisation, mm. mm. um, but it was a real lease of life, life for us, and and it meant that the trusts R and I committee mm. um, kept kept sight on 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 what was happening in the mental health nursing research unit and was interested in in making it work. So again, organisationally at the leadership level, that that was really important for us. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I can see we've been joined by Vanessa. Hello, Vanessa. Hello. Hello, hello. If you, have you got questions for us? I think I can see some coming through on the WhatsApp. I haven't got them. I haven't got them oh. through. Joined, through so I need to catch up on them first. Okay. I've got one thing. Um, Alan Simpson, who I'm sure you know, <laughs> saying, um, just while we're watching and listening to this, um, uh, nurses who are interested in research can check out the mental health research incubator as well. So that's yeah, something to be aware of. Resource. Yeah, um, good to hear you guys talking about how to build uh, mental health research capacity and confidence. And I wondered if um, you guys could maybe just say something a little bit about 
because you've obviously got such a lot of um, experience working to bridging that gap between research and practice that shouldn't exist but does so what do you, what sort of things do you do to actually build confidence and build just people's interest and capacity to be able to engage with that do you want me to go tim or do you want to go no you go first this time i'll come back i'll come in after you yeah um so i guess a, a few things spring to mind so i guess mm. um one of the things we're trying to do is just keep nursing research on people's radar within the trust uh, and one of the ways we do that is through uh we have a monthly online journal club mm. uh, we, we were graced with alan simpson himself recently actually who's who was uh message you just read out where yeah. we invite um not always nurses, but uh, very often nurse academics or people who are producing research that's relevant to mental health nurses to come and present a single paper. And we just have a sort of a half an hour session. Uh, we're trying to keep it relatively short to sort of make it accessible to potentially people in busy clinical roles who might not be able to get away for a, a longer meeting. And we just spend mm -hmm. a bit of time discussing a, a, a paper that's relevant to mental health nursing practice. And we've had all sorts of uh, interesting topics discussed to that, you know, from issues around psychological interventions to physical restraint, um, um, you know, the role of the nurse and, you know, all sorts of interesting topics. Uh, so that's one of the things we do. Mm. Um, I guess we also just try and sort of be a central point within the trust. So mm. you know, if there are nurses within the trust who are thinking, mm. you know, I've seen this fellowship opportunity but i don't quite know how to navigate it or who to contact to start getting the process going um then they, they hopefully they will have heard about the mental health nursing research by now and, and email me so i have quite a lot of conversations mm. with nurses and allied mm. health professionals in the trust who are interested in uh, particular funding opportunities yeah. um yeah. and that often involves just sort of putting people in touch with things like the research design service or uh, yeah. putting them in contact with um colleagues who are in academic roles with particular interest in the topic that they might be uh, interested in investigating. So those, those are a couple of things. Are there other things you want to mention, Tim? Yeah, a few things come to mind for me. This um, great question, Alan, thank you, is about the importance of creating time to, to, to think and reflect, mm. because nurses are a great barometer, temperature check of what's really pertinent for patient care mm. at one time. And we'll have some fun, fabulous ideas. And even if they're not, you know, ready to be applied to research, they can often be, you know, linked to innovation and quality improvement. So really important for lots of reasons that we um, protect the space that nurses need um, to be um, safe practitioners and to explore their potential research ideas. But the, the other point that came to mind a lot when I listened to Alan, Alan's question was around that confidence issue that, permeates through nursing in, in many ways, doesn't it? But um, sometimes colleagues just need that, that little bit of a, a supportive push to say, no, that is a great idea. You can turn that into a good paper uh, or you can get yeah. up on that podium and, and talk yeah. about the great work you're doing. Um, and, but some colleagues will need help to, to make that, that move. One of the things I've um, done a couple of times and we, we started this with the Nursing Academy, which was kind of active workshops with, with um, interested nurses over at GMMH, is um, co-author uh, publications. Mm. So yeah. a very yeah. junior or new mm. um, um, publisher will um, have a go at writing themselves and then yeah. um, 
you, you know, I'll I'll help, um, uh, and we'll jointly produce something because that thing around writing for an audience or, um, or or, or making uh, the research accessible in practice terms is really important. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I think we've all probably been in that position where uh, somebody's had a you know done a dissertation and then says I want to publish it. It's a completely different style and way of landing, yeah. isn't it? And just navigating and supporting people through that process mm. can mean that it doesn't just stay that or mm. only that dissertation on, on mm. their shelf as much as they're proud of it, but it also can go to that next level of yeah. sharing with, with the world if, if that's what they want to do. Yeah. I think that's mm. one of the things about research that people get wrong is they see it as a big monolith. Whereas in nursing, you don't expect one nurse to be good at every single thing in nursing. Mm. Whereas when somebody doesn't understand every single thing in research, they think that they're bad at research. Instead of thinking there are people in this world and I don't know how they come to be, who are just really good at writing bids. Mm. Like they just seem to be able to write them in a way that just gets them tons of money. And you're like, how, what is it you're doing? <laughs> That's shaking the money tree. And when you find that person, befriend them, obviously, come <laughs> to look at your work before it goes in. But there are other people who are really good at, um, writing research in a way that they, they can create your accessible guide they completely understand what you're saying and you can learn from them how to say what it is you need to convey in a way that just absolutely is perfectly clear to people who are in practice or pe people who are choosing services or thinking about how to work with different issues and they just make it so simple and and, and it's it's really important i think as you guys are saying and you guys are great connectors and ambassadors for research but this idea about finding people who are good at the things that maybe make you uncomfortable or, or that you're not so confident with yourself you're just asking because nobody's supposed to be brilliant at everything you know we're collegiate we lift each other up with stuff like this and I think sometimes research can be quite a, a rough and tumble um uh, environment sometimes yeah. and I think it can feel quite cutthroat just because of the way that the funding works but well, I think in nursing it's a little bit more mm -hmm. gentle Oh, sorry, just, I you. no no sorry i interrupted you i was just keen to come in on that and i'm sure i won't mind me saying this that you know as 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 experienced as rob's become and and you know having made grant applications i i could see that at times you know it was a difficult process do you know when when's it going to come off and i imagine we lose it's a lot a of people process now but yes perhaps not as difficult <laughs> as it Initially, yeah. But I imagine there'll be a lot of people that, that are put off because they fall, you know, forgive me for putting it like that, but they, they fall at that first hurdle and think, well, that's not for me, I can't do it, it's too much. Mm. And, you know, we've worked with people, haven't we, Rob, that have had those knockbacks mm. and that's part of the support and encouragement too to get them back on the in the saddle. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I suppose just going back to... You know, I talked before about people having conversations with me about being interested in applying for mm. research funding and, and looking at funding options. I guess that's one of the really useful conversations to have at the outset is yeah. lots of grant applications get rejected and that's a normal part of the process. And, yeah. you know, lots of papers when you submit them to a journal will get rejected or you yeah. know, come back with a huge amounts of critical comments. And, and, and part of the process is um, I don't know, getting used to it is the right the right way of putting it but expecting it and um learning to roll with it a little bit it is and it's perfectly all right to to say to everybody look at what they wrote before the second <laughs> review i wrote i hate this person the yeah. and then to stop get over it and get back in the saddle because often 
whilst it is incredibly painful to read, you know, comments that you've tried so hard, when you've tried so hard to make something right, to hear that it's not what people think you should have written is really difficult. You On the other stay, hand, you can't stay cross a reviewer too forever, can you? No, at some point you've got to take on board like some, a couple of the things they said were relevant yeah. and the rest of it, just track them down. No, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it's just about taking it on the chin a little bit. And I think if people aren't, aren't aware of what the process is, it just it feels quite shocking. And even things like ethics taking so long can be quite baffling to people if they're not used to it, if they don't Absolutely, understand yeah. that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. There's something yeah, too think... for me about networking as well. You know, I don't claim to be a researcher in any way. You know, mm. I I am, um, it's almost by proxy for me. I take pleasure from supporting others to do it. And uh, I admire uh, uh, my colleagues for, for all the work they do, but all the heavyweights out there, yourself included, Nikki and Alan mm -hmm. and others, mm. you know, we've mentioned John. I've got, I've, I've, yeah. you know, I've lots of time with John. I think yeah. his ethics and his values his yeah. research ideas are fabulous. But it's staying close to these people as well and learning from them. I remember John early early on to me, he mm. said, don't forget about research when I was making yeah. points about strategy and policy. And, mm. and he's absolutely right, because unless yeah. you have the research to underpin it, then yeah. it won't move along. Yeah, I mean, just to come in on that, I think it's sort of impossible to, you know, sort of overestimate how useful it is to have mentors when you're starting to think about research and you mentioned John Baker who's been incredibly mm. helpful mm. and supportive to mental health medicine research unit and was involved in um he was a co-applicant on one of the first bids that we got awarded mm. uh, but also people like John Professor John Keating Professor Karina mm. Lovell at the University of Manchester yeah. who you know were co-applicants on the original bid to set up the nursing research unit mm -hmm. research unit and I think mm -hmm. all those people yeah. Rob have, have have allowed us newbies as it were to yeah you know they've been our coaches and guides haven't they you know get, uh, uh, as we've Definitely. got those early publications through all the grants in the bag it's been mm -hmm. through guidance from our our peers if you're not our peers our uh, mentors in that way yeah Vanessa, mm -hmm. so do you have any um questions anything you want to, to talk about in terms of research and nursing yeah, um, I, sorry, I'm, I was late joining the conversation, everyone. So um, if I'm repeating anything, then I apologise. Um, there's a question come through about um, the journal clubs that you were mentioning before, um, and I think it's a really important point. It's about, how, you know, how do um, we release clinicians to be able to get away for even something such as a, a journal club and whether you've got any tips around protecting time for nurses. I mean, it is, it's a real challenge, isn't it? Mm. And um, I suppose the tips I would have are, you know, well, I suppose the approach we took was to, to actually try and buy nurses time out to enable them to engage in research when they want to actually pursue research as a sort of a, 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 a substantial part of their, their role. But lots of nurses, that's not the really want to to go down and, um, you know, but they might want to still remain very engaged in research. And I think it's incredibly challenging to, to mm -hmm. kind of carve out that time to do things like go to a journal club for half an hour it can feel like a real pressure if you're in a busy ward and um, perhaps, you know, the staffing levels just wouldn't allow you to, to, to get away for half an hour to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that's where, you know, the organisational support becomes so important and the, the messages from mm -hmm. senior leadership within organisations saying that actually this is important this is an important part of your role uh, and, and and supporting nurses to to pursue 
that aspect of their, of their, of their job. Mm. You've tweet, tweeted stuff out about it as well. Is it possible that people could join in after the fact by just looking at the stuff that you've done and, and actually joining in online a little bit? Mm. Well, I guess one of the things we thought about is maybe recording the journal clubs and making those um, mm, available to people. Um, mm. I guess there's a balance there between whether that might make people feel slightly more inhibited about the conversation mm. they have within the journal club if they knew mm -hmm. that it was going to be publicly available afterwards. But um, I guess that's one of the things we're thinking about because it is mm -hmm. hard sometimes for people to get to those meetings as they happen live. Yeah, maybe, maybe just summarise it approach as well to it with some of it recorded and some of it not recorded so that people yeah. have an opportunity that would be interesting I think there is some there is something there as well about um demystifying nurses being involved in research because you know I've I've you know through the work I've done particularly on social media I seem to have sat in both camps you know clinical sort of leadership and research at times and I think that, you know, researchers and nurses who are clinical need to, um, we need to kind of bridge the disconnect more. Um, I think, you know, I speak to a lot of nurses who have imposter syndrome, who don't feel that they're clever enough, don't feel that they've got the skills to get involved in research. And yet, you know, they're the people who are delivering care. They're the people who can prov provide more, you know, clinically relevant research than than anybody else, but maybe don't have the research skills. Yeah. And um, and the other thing, I guess, um, I guess that's a comment rather than a question. But the question within that for me is about diversity as well. You know, how do we diversify, um, you know, in terms of ethnicity and gender um, in research? Because I think you know, I've had a lot of conversations recently about about that and about the kind of lack of representation within research from, you know, the groups. And certainly there's, you know, a lot of male um, researchers in this space compared to females. And how do we, you know, how do we change that? Yeah, I think it's a good, a, a good point. Um, I mean, mm. I, I, I did want to dive in there and just sort of go back to the, the earlier point you, you mentioned. Yeah. Would that be all right to just do that so of course you, yeah you're yeah talking about sort of nursing uh, research being impenetrable and kind of um and it, it was sort of occurring to me that i think sometimes when we think of research we think of you know someone sitting there with spss crunching a load of numbers or writing mm -hmm. a paper but i was actually involved in delivering um a research methods course through our recovery college this week for people who lived experience mental health problems and clinicians who perhaps haven't um had any experience in research before mm -hmm. and I guess one of the things that struck me particularly when we were talking about the you know we were covering qualitative research and conducting interviews was just how much common ground there is between um, you know what you would consider good nursing skills and mm -hmm. the capacity to conduct a really good qualitative interview with someone about mm -hmm. a really sensitive subject and and just mm -hmm. all the skills that nurses do bring to, to yeah. that aspect of the research process. Yeah I agree it's really important something for me about as just going back to the organizational support point that rob made as well that this is about workforce recruitment and retention as well it's about safety and it's about job satisfaction so um rob mentioned the importance of, of it being part of the trust strategy um well there's not a mental health trust in the country that doesn't need to keep and, and attract new new nurses so being being able to do different things as busy as it can be and demanding on the front line in particular is important that we create these spaces and mm. you know, this kind of method the teams world has taken us one step closer to being a you know more nimble footed if you like in 
engaging people across big geographical footprints. But you're absolutely right, Vanessa, and whoever posted the question is absolutely right, that it can feel that some people are just not able to access these opportunities. And again, mm -hmm. that's for the managers and the directors to, to think about and enable um, uh, 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 so that they can. Um, the other thing that, that comes to mind for me is, is around um, how we need to take research out to people. So a good example of this is some uh, research that Rob and uh, others, uh, I was on the edge of, to do with self-harming children uh, that um, has just been done. Well, we decided that we needed a staff nurse to get actively involved in that, to, um, for that part of the research to go on to the next level. So we went out for that ask rather than saying, can we start from scratch and get a nurse to help us access this research? So it was a very, it was a bite-sized chunk, if you like, for the managers to agree with. They knew that it was mm -hmm. time limited. Uh, they could see opportunities to backfill and the opportunities for them as a service for being involved in something like that. So there are ways to do it. Uh, it's not easy mm -hmm. by any means. Yeah, absolutely. So I can see the time's got away from us again. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> and we've already been talking 40 minutes, but one of the things we wanted to particularly look at was this idea of you know, what, what clinicians can do to practically get engaged and to, to join in with research. I wonder if you guys had any thoughts on that? I mean, I suppose just looking for research that's relevant for the area that you're working in and trying to keep, keep on top of developments in that area. Um, I guess you, it sounds like you have people that are using social media to engage with this, you know, this platform, I guess platforms like this are very useful. I guess things like mm. Twitter and following researchers uh, who are uh, covering topics that you're interested in is one way of just staying engaged with, with developments in that area. Um, seeking out um, where you can, making contact with academics. Um, I've always found that when I approach people and say, I was really interested in your paper. They're absolutely delighted to hear from you. And, and you know, that's led to some really fruitful collaborations as well. So I think having a bit of confidence to sort of reach out to people that are, mm -hmm. that are looking at topics that you're interesting in, interested in is, is a really great way of trying to, to learn more about particular subject, subject matters. Absolutely. Yeah. Tim, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, yeah for me, there's the, I think there's that um, part of always trying to keep some space as well. No matter how busy your working week is, half an hour, uh, just each week, just to, to you know, go on the, the internet, visit the pages where you know, you'll find the evidence emerging, uh, read a paper, share mm -hmm. it with your colleagues. I think that just keeps people in touch and can feel a bit of a change from answering mm -hmm. the emails as well. Uh, you know, they don't go away, do they? But it can bring some balance to a, a busy working week. Mm -hmm. There's things like, you know, the mental health resource is another great way of sort of getting condensed versions of papers, you know, critically analysed and sort of presented in a really accessible way. So, uh, and that could be quicker than trying to, uh, read a whole academic journal on the on the topic. Mm. Absolutely, Vanessa. Is anything that that you wanted to sort of sort of think about yeah. as we're coming to an we, end here? Yeah, I mean, we haven't got long now, but I guess that last point's an important one about um, not just how we get nurses involved in research, but also once research is done, how do we make sure it's impacting on practice? Mm. Um, I think that's you know somewhere where there's work to be done, isn't it? Really. Mm. Yeah. 
definitely. And I think it, there's, there's lots of things about how we present information to people. Um, yeah. And we again, you can see all across all of research, it's a game that's shifting faster and faster and faster. Mm. And I think almost researchers are sometimes being caught a little bit on the hop because they're being asked to present um, an easy read guide, a guide mm. that impresses their colleagues, <laughs> a guide that's going to get some kind of funding on the back of it, and then publish in a clinical journal as well. But the things yeah. that I think people can do that are really helpful are to just talk about the research in a very open and simple way um, and remember who your audience is because at the end of the day everything mm -hmm. we should do as mental health nurse researchers should be to make things better yeah to be to improve practice support uh, service user recovery and nursing practice to be to be as good as possible to support our profession to keep improving and those are the people who really need to be thinking about in terms of being accessible to and if you're not then get some support to be more accessible and I mean I don't want to come back to things like infographics and dance your PhD I don't know if you danced your PhD well <laughs> I've not danced it yet but you know things things that make your information available and examples of how it can be used that makes such a difference because we, we learn by stories don't we? we learn by case studies things that are really applied to practice or what breaks those barriers down and so I think there's a lot to be said around, it seems to me that a lot of the things you guys are, are talking about are about knowing that this is your part of your job and actually trying to love it as well, instead of being worried or frightened of it, but also thinking about how you can participate in different ways, but from reading other people's mm. work to telling other people about it. But I think one of the things that Tim said that really struck me um, is that sometimes we put so much emphasis on nursing on practically doing things like doing tasks. Mm. We don't remember that, you need to give yourself time to think, properly time to think. And that takes ages sometimes mm. for you to, and, and time by yourself to actually really think about something and come up with good ideas or just to clarify what it is that you, you want to do. And in nursing, we need to support each other a bit more to have time to mm. think instead of just constantly being reactive, reactive, reactive. That for me is what I thought was really interesting today as well. So we mm. have tweeted out um, Book Club, the Journal Club, and we have oh, tweeted fantastic. out... Um, the uh, website as well but um guys if you have any questions please do feel free to put them on facebook live or on um on twitter and we'll sort of circle back to them in the next couple of days so just before we finish up is there anyone else who wanted to just make any last uh, call to action or talk about clinician engagement or any any last thoughts on research well i, I endorse what how you concluded the uh, the session there nick and all the all the messages you were trying to get across i think that's yeah i think that's a, a great way to end the session um i suppose if you know we've talked a lot about the journal club if people want to come along uh, they're very welcome to it's open to everyone if anyone would like to present a paper we're also very keen to hear from people so if you have a a paper that you've um authored that you think would be of interest to mental health nurses then you know do get in touch and let us know and we'd be delighted to hear from you brilliant Tim, anything else? Or just a good yeah. night? <laughs> Similarly, really, I think, you know, I hope everybody's taken something from this. And, you know, early on in the Nursing Academy, we, we had the idea of pledges and what will I do next? And some of those ideas took off with support from more experienced researchers over at GMMH. But maybe encouraging colleagues who are listening to take forward any ideas they've got and, you know, make them work, look out for the help. It's, you know, stick stick at it, you'll get there. Yeah, brilliant. Vanessa, was there any last words from you? 
No, thank you. Just a lot to reflect on, really. Absolutely. So, guys, as I say, if there's anything that you want to come back to the guys and ask about, please do. Otherwise, thank you very much for spending time with us today. And good night, guys. Good night. Thank good you. Night. Thank you. Thank you.